Right, so welcome again to everybody. If uh, you popped in late or just joined us now online, we are on week two of a series, which is a little bit of an evolving series, and um, it's, it's called The Four Soils, and it's where we got our theme this year from, to be lovers of truth, and it comes from the famous parable of the sower. But last week, we actually discovered that the parable is more about the condition of the four soils. And this week, I said we'll probably start to look at the four soils, but we're only actually going to get there next week because I uncovered a whole bunch of stuff this past week in uh, study. Do you remember I mentioned two things last week? I spoke about remember the word listen and remember the word mystery. I don't know if any of you remember that. Okay, uh, there's like two words, but there is just so much in it that I hope that you are going to catch today. If you missed last week, uh, we'll just quickly bring you up to speed. Um, so just maybe a couple quick picks there. Uh, this is where the teaching happens. Jesus um, is up there in the Sea of Galilee, just outside Capernaum, and he's speaking to a whole bunch of people from all the different neighboring towns and the villages, and this is where they think the actual event took place, and Jesus went out onto a little boat, and people sat on the banks here, and the, 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 um, no sound systems in those days, but his voice just carried across the water into this area, and he speaks about uh, it's a farming analogy or farming parable about four different types of soils where the seed fell. It, it fell amongst the path, the hard area, and it wasn't able to take root. The shaly ground, it, it fell amongst the thorns, which were normally in the boundary or the rocks of the two farms. It fell amongst um, the, the, the thorns. We often, the, um, the thorns would grow amongst the rocks and that would, it choked the seed. And then obviously there was the good soil, which is left and right. And that ideally where the seed needs to land so that it produces 30, 60, 100 fold. Okay, and the idea is that you want the seed, which is the word of God, like today, I'm gonna to be sharing the word of God. You want that seed to land on fertile soil. So your heart is basically the picture of the soil. And if your soil of your heart is fertile, you will produce a hundredfold and God will bless your crop. Does that make sense? When, when, when we allow the seed of God to take root in our life, something amazing will happen. So for those who went here last week and maybe even for us who have forgotten last week, let's just be honest. Some, I might ask some of you guys, what did we speak on last week? You're like, um, not sure. Sometimes I'm like that too, so don't feel bad. But let's just pick up the story on Mark 4. We'll just quickly go through the beginning part from verse 3. It says, listen, Remember that word, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. We spoke about getting rid of the rocks in our lives that often doesn't, you know, the hardness of our heart that doesn't allow God's word to take root. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The NRV speaks about hear, that he would hear. Now Jesus does something, now I'm going to get straight into this teaching, are you ready for another teaching? We, we vary it up over the, the year. We do different types of series. We do some encouragement one. We do some like kind of some meaty ones and we just kind of make it accessible because like a diet, the way you know you eat, you, you can't just eat Haagen-Dazs, Belgian chocolate ice cream all the time because you will not be healthy, but it is so good for you. 
Anyone like Haagen-Dazs Belgian chocolate ice cream? Okay. But you also need, just like you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, you, you need a balanced diet. And, and the Bible speaks about that we've got to also move from milk to solid food. So this is the idea. So I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a teaching, particularly for some of you guys maybe never get the opportunity to do Bible college or an online college. Um, this is going to be a, a teaching today. Okay. Is that all right? So one of the things that Jesus does that he doesn't do anywhere else is he bookends the story with the, the phrases that are the same. He, he says, listen, he starts with that, but then he closes it again with listen. At the end there, it says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then he starts with listen. Now listen and hear is the same word basically in the Greek, which, which is the original that this text was written in. So I'm gonna explain later what that word means, okay, because Often when we read a word in English, and maybe for those of you who are really good at English, uh, you, you would understand, but sometimes when you just go do a little bit of reading or you even just type the word in a dictionary, all of a sudden there's a little bit more to the word that you get to understand. But particularly when something was written in another language, there's so much more to it to understand the context of it. So I'm gonna get back to that a little later, but it is the same word. But let's, before we come back to that word, let's look what happens next in the story. Okay, so from verse 10. Later... Now, once Jesus has finished, you know, giving these, it's a series of parables. He gives a whole lot. This is only one that we had recorded. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples, so he was off the boat now and he was alone with his buddies and with the others who had gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. Remember I said, remember that word secret. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they say what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but that's confusing to me. Like, what is going on here? What, what is he actually trying to say? Is he, is he saying like he doesn't want people to turn to God? They have ears, but they will not listen. And what he's doing here, and you'll see the inverted commas in the text, he's quoting a passage from the Old Testament. Remember I alluded uh, to this last week with the word remez, uh, just to remind us, if, uh, you know, if you heard last week, when Jesus hinted at something from the Old Testament with the word, he, it would just be like a hint at it so that they would know what he was talking about. This is different to remez, but it's actually a full quotation of something in the Old Testament. Does anyone know where he's quoting from? Anyone want to take a guess? I know they like the, the, the guys up front here will probably know, but he's actually quoting Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. And he's saying this very specifically. Everything Jesus said was very intentional and it was on purpose. And he's quoting Isaiah. Now let's look at what Isaiah actually says in the, the, the Hebrew text, or, so from the Old Testament. It's quoted many, many, many years before that. Jesus was very, very familiar with the text. So he quotes this and he says, then I, this, is, this is Isaiah speaking, then I heard the Lord asking, so God is commissioning Isaiah the prophet to, to go and give this message. Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. We actually had that as a theme for our church um, 
many years ago, I can't remember what year it was, but here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to the people, listen carefully, listen carefully. Do you remember our president doing that? When he got his numbers mixed up, listen carefully. But do not, uh, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Again, it's like, what is going on here? Does God not want these people to actually understand and see him? How many of you sometimes find the Bible very confusing? Like, what is going on here? Okay, like, I don't know about you, but that is quite confusing to me. So now you know why I don't get to what I needed to get to uh, this week, and it's only going to be next week, because I started to do some study around this and try to actually understand what was the context of this? Why was Jesus actually quoting Isaiah, and actually, what was Isaiah even saying? Now, there's a lot of debate around this that I've discovered this past week. Why would God, well, people argue, want people to, to not be open and not to, be, not to hear the word, of God, the word of God? Why would he want their hearts to be hardened? Now, there's two potential ideas around this. The first is many believe, many scholars believe that he's actually using shock therapy here. So it's like to shock them into obedience because their hearts are so hard. It's kind of like what you would say with your kids. Okay, well, why don't you just hit him back? D do we really want our kids to hit each other? No. But, but you should just hit him back. Or sometimes with my kids, <laughs> they'd start to be a little bit immature about something and like uh, they're about to cry. I'm like, well, why don't you just cry about it? You don't really want them to cry. What you're trying to say to them is you don't need to cry about it. You don't need to hit him back. It's not really sarcasm as such, but it's actually like shock therapy so that they actually understand how silly they're being. And this, many believe, is what Jesus was actually doing. Because their hearts were so hard and the people that he's just told the story to, remember he gives three areas of, of soil that wasn't right to receive the word of God. He was actually giving them some shock therapy. So the objective actually is to try to get them to have soft hearts because their hearts are hard. The other idea that I kind of started to think about and, and you know, what he's trying to say here is it might actually be the reality of the situation. So it's not just shock therapy, the intention of it, but it's just the reality. Their hearts are hard and he's saying, <laughs> your hearts are hard. It's kind of like if you actually look at the Greek Version and I've actually uh, screenshot this from the YouVersion Bible app. So sometimes on the YouVersion Bible app, you can click the little, um, uh, like the little, is it dots that they have there? Or it gives you a little bit of insight into it. And what's interesting in the Greek is it says, this is what the Greek originally reads when Jesus quotes this. He says, and he says, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So he's saying that's just the reality of the situation here. Their hearts are hard and they aren't open to me. He's just giving the facts. Either way, it's Jesus being up front here and in their face. And he's saying, don't have a hard heart. I want you to walk through the field of your life, and he's speaking to us today, lift up the rocks, take out the weeds, 
soften our hearts so that he can deposit the truth of what he wants to do and say in our lives. But our hearts need to be soft to receive. And we don't often like to admit it, but how many times are our hearts hard to the truth of the word of God? We might even sit in church here today and maybe even right now, you have judged potentially a lot of what even has happened today. When Lauren is saying, come on, let's lift up our hands. Or Colin says, and you're like, "Mm, I don't want to. You can't tell me to do that. It's amazing how often subconsciously we do these things. Or even as I'm talking to you now, you may be starting to say, "Mm, I'm not so sure about this. And we wrestle all the time. Not only Christians, but obviously people who have never opened up their hearts to God, you realize how hard people are to God. I mean, you just have to go look on social media and see a disagreement uh, you know, or a, a differing opinions around politics or around vaccines or around even the word of God. And you know, when someone says we're praying for Ukraine, th- there will always be a comment, oh, what's the point of praying? And then there's this whole like, thread and debate. Sometimes I just go read it. You know, people say they open the popcorn, you know, just go, just go read it and see what happens. But you see how hard people's hearts are. We're in a bubble sometimes as Christians. And even in this area, I mean, Christianity is, is, I mean, we have the most churches, they say, per square kilometer than anywhere in the world in the Upper Highway area. I mean, there's a church everywhere. But you can imagine people in certain places and countries where the word of God isn't accessible, so their hearts are even harder. And as Colin prayed earlier, we're trusting that God softens people's hearts, even in with what the world is going through right now. Jesus is basically saying, wake up. I want to speak to you. As Oren McElroy says, wake up, my boy. And he's saying that to us this morning. Now, if you noticed in Isaiah and even in this passage, you see the use of the words ears and eyes. Eyes and ears, ears and eyes, hearing, seeing. You see that actually quite often in the Bible. And Jesus is actually almost fulfilling a prophetic uh, tradition really in the Bible or we see a pattern of God throughout the Bible something again almost like a remez that they were familiar of the hint or use of certain words and if you don't believe me I would like to show you and this is what I uncovered this week if you go back to Jeremiah the prophet uh, Jeremiah 5 verse 20 it says this make this announcement to Israel and say this to Judah listen you foolish and senseless people with eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear. So you see Jesus, I get goosebumps thinking about this because it's, it's, the Bible is so intricately woven together and so brilliant. It's incredible when you start to uncover these things. And he's saying, listen to me. It's kind of like what we do with our kids. Listen to me. We, we want their attention, but we also want them to do what we say. And then if you flick over to the next chapter in Jeremiah 6, verse 10, it says, to whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. Now, what's very interesting, remember last week I uh, read from uh, Jeremiah chapter four and I spoke about circumcision of the heart, that their hearts were hard and the word was to, to cut away the hardness of heart. Do you remember that? And what's interesting here is when it says their ears are closed, it basically, that word means that they uncircumcised. Their hearts are closed to God. And you see a people who are resisting the word from Jeremiah the prophet. And they're basically saying, I'm not really interested in what you have to say. And hey, maybe you even, well, hopefully you're not like that this morning because you maybe wouldn't be here. But sometimes we do find ourselves saying that. 
And I want to encourage even some of the, the, the well, I suppose it, it applies to all generations. Sometimes young people don't want to listen to old people. And then it's funny, it happens in reverse. Older people don't want to listen to young people. But there is always so much that we can learn. I learn so much from various people. I learn a lot from my kids. But I also learn a lot from some of the people that, that uh, you know, we find ourselves accountable to and around. And I learn a lot as I study. And I think there's always an opportunity to learn if your heart is open, your ears are open to hear and your eyes are open to see. Never ever think you've arrived when it comes to anything in life. Even if you are scholared or educated around something, you can always learn something. I'm always intrigued where some people almost, they get to a place and I suppose pride fills their heart where they think like they've got this, you know. When it comes to music, musicianship, I, I mean, I'm always amazed at like how incredible some of these guys are and we can always learn. I, I've, I can play a fair amount, but I can always learn so much more from somebody else. There will always be someone better than you and someone that will know more than you. And I think such a good humble heart attitude to have. And my hope today is that you're gonna be saying, and maybe there are many of you who are sitting here today know far more than me, and, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that. But if our eyes are open and our ears are open, we can always be saying, God, what do you want to say to me today? Now, again, in the Bible, I said I'll just, just go see the references or the prophetic pattern here. Ezekiel 12, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, you are living among rebellious people. They have ears to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people, not wanting to do what God has asked them to do. Their hearts are hard. And here again, you see this reference of eyes and ears, rebellious to God's instruction. And then again, in the New Testament, you see this theme following through. So Jesus hints at it, but then you see it even in Mark a little later. This is after the feeding of the 5,000 men and women and children. So it could have been over 10,000 people. Okay, so an incredible miracle that takes place. I don't have time to go into all the details of that, but again, you see in Mark 6, so straight after that, the disciples have seen this miracle where Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread, and then it says, yeah, then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. So he does another miracle right there. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. It's like they were rationalizing this. How often do we do that with God? Where we actually, we pray for a miracle, we see it happen, it might not be in the way that we think or uh, like expect it to happen, but then we just go, oh, well, there was chance or there was good luck or it's crazy. I don't like the word luck. It actually comes from Lucifer, the word. It's not about, I've heard people say, oh, you're so lucky. No, it's God's blessing and his favor, we've got to believe that. And often, I promise you now, let me tell you guys, God does so many things behind the scenes that we have no idea about. We've got to understand and recognize that. And when he comes through and does something, don't make your heart so hard and think you just made it happen on your own. God is working. And again, you see this after the feeding of the 4,000. This is the letter, Mark chapter eight, verse 16. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't bought any bread. It's like you think they haven't learned their lesson. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Have your eyes, sorry, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? It's amazing how you see this pattern of ears and eyes. And there's even more, can I give you another one? Another two? So Paul, this is a little later now, in 2 Corinthians, kind of alludes to the same thing. 
This is uh, chapter four, verse four. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds or the, the, the eyes of the heart of those who don't believe. So you can start to see this whole idea of you know, uh, seeing and hearing, but, he, but the Satan blinds the eyes of the unbelievers. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And you see that. Like sometimes I'm like, why can't you see it? Why can't you get it? Kind of like mass class, guys, in higher grade, back in grade 10 or something. You know, when things started to get harder, it's like the, the teacher would be explaining to me, like, you know, this is how you, and I'm like, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't understand. But then there's some guy there who's like knows exactly what's going on. How many of you guys struggled with mass? Let's just be honest in church. Okay. There's like four of you. That's lies. <laughs> And then you see John, right at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, again, chapter two, verse seven, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. And it's this kind of a prophetic vision that he sees, but that they would have eyes and ears. Basically, he's saying, don't be a rebellious people. Don't have hard hearts. And you see this pattern and I don't think anything's changed. Today, we need this message more than ever before because people's hearts are still hard. I mean, look what's happening in, the, you know, in, in this attack now on Ukraine. And you just see people that are angry and aggressive and um, we're not gonna preach against Russia here in case Putin gets hold of this message and then he comes and finds me. But I'm just praying for a, a I mean, the, yeah, he's probably capable of getting anything that act. But I'm just praying that God softens his heart miraculously. I don't know how. But you can see a hardness of heart. Surely, and, and for me personally, I'm always looking for the win. Like, surely there's a better way to fix this. There has to be. Okay, back to the parable. I said I'll come back to the word listen and hear. Are you ready for a little peek at the Greek? Just to make it at least sound a little bit interesting, okay? So... The Greek word for, for, for listen is a word called a, a koa, okay? And it basically means to hear, to heed, to consider, to understand, to attend to. It's a little different to what we normally just think about here. And or, or to obey. Now Jesus um, had a Hebrew background. So it's also important to understand the intention of which he would have said this, because this is recorded in Greek, but the way that he, he spoke Aramaic as well, but he, he could speak multiple languages. Now, the Hebrew word, I want to just give you a little bit of understanding of this. There's a, there's a, a Hebrew, or the, the Jewish people pray a prayer every morning and every night, and it starts with Shema Israel. I don't know if any of you have heard that, or any of you got kind of Jewish family or friends. And this basically means like listen or hear Israel. So the Hebrew equivalent to this word is a word called Shema, which means to listen or to hear. Now, now, now this is which blew my mind, just something so interesting. In Hebrew, there's no word, specific word for the word obey. But to Shema means listen and obey. It's one word that means the same thing. And again, the analogy of, a, of a, a father or a mother to a child, listen to me. Sometimes you flick the ear as well. 
They heard you. They listened. But the reason why you're saying listen to me is why? Because they did not do what you told them to do. But you're using one word. It's kind of the same context here. He's not just saying listen. Like you guys are all listening to me preach today. But the power of receiving this in a soft heart is actually to do what it says. That's what it really means. And that's what Jesus is saying. And that's why he bookends this parable. It's so important. Listen and then listen. He's trying to basically discipline the people. And what's interesting, and I'm sure maybe you know this, but the word uh, disciple comes from the word discipline. And disciplined, if you look it up in the dictionary, actually means obedience. So a disciple is basically someone who listens and obeys. You can't just listen. How often do we sit in church and we just listen, but then we don't do what it says? People call themselves Christians or sometimes wonder if they're Christian. See, believing in God is not enough because the devil also believes in God. The devil had an encounter with Jesus. He believes that there is a God, but that's not enough. That's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is listening and obeying. That's being a disciple of Jesus. So I suppose to make it personal for you today and without being too heavy is, what is God calling you to do? What is God telling you to do even right now today? And maybe not even today, but over the last few weeks, months, what are we doing with what he's speaking to us? What are we doing with that friendship that he's saying needs to be restored? What are we doing with that habit that he's put his finger on and said, ah, you know, you need to sort this out? What are we doing with that initiative he's asked us to start? What are we doing with the gift that we have in us that he's asked us to use for him? What are we doing with the resources that he puts in our hand and we hear the tithe message week after week, but we don't do it? It's getting hot in here. Do we listen and obey? Are you ready for a last bit of insight? Remember I said the, the word listen, then I said the word secret. I want to help understand that with you today because it's been an evolving understanding for me too. So let's, let's get to it. So Mark 4 verse 11. So just after this, so he's with the disciples and a few others and he says, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to the outsiders. Now, that word outsiders, um, or others, some versions say, the, the Aramaic actually <laughs> speaks about the backward ones. It's lucky to be called that. Eh? You're just a little bit backwards. You know when you say someone's backwards in their thinking, okay? It's not meant to be derogatory, but it's like you're just a little bit backwards in your understanding of the things of God. And he, he doesn't mean he doesn't include them because he's trying to give them stories that they understand. But there were also those that didn't care to understand, but he was... The idea of the outsiders is he wanted the outsiders to be hungry enough to, to seek the meaning to understand. If you look in the NIV, it says he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. So there's this, this idea of this process to, to, to understand and to the, 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 the secrets to be revealed. To those that are on the outside, it says everything is said in parables. Now, that word secret uh, uh, comes from a Greek word called mysterion, which basically means mystery. So that's why some versions use the word mystery in place of this word. 
I told you you're getting a real teaching today. Are you okay with this? Are you all still with us? Some of you like maybe checked out already. Remember, be present, be in the moment. Just stick with me. So there's this guy, he's a famous theologian. His name's Klein Snodgrass. Hell of a name, that. Um, (laughs) But he says this. Mystery in the Semitic world does not refer to what is mysterious or unknown, but to revelation, to what would be unknown if God had not revealed it. So the idea is this here, the secrets or the mysteries, God is revealing to those that have soft hearts. If your hearts are hard, you will not see and you will not hear, your eyes will be blinded. But if your hearts are opened, you can, you can receive the revelation of God. God is revealing it. Look here, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's a process, it's a journey, it is the power of God. So if you want the power of God in your life and to understand the, king, the kingdom principles, your heart has got to be open. And when it's open, he starts to reveal things to you that are beyond human understanding. Look again at Matthew 13, 34. You can just see how everything's connected. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables, stories. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Same word, the mystery, the secret. It's hidden because of the fallen world that we live in. But it's not hidden Because some may be thinking, well, why would it be hidden? Why wouldn't God want us to see it? It, The parable is not there to hide the truth or to make it inaccessible, because that's not really the nature of God. But it's rather to reveal the truth to those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. So what is the secret here? And what is the secret to understanding the secret? Are you with me? It's basically to listen and do, and then you'll understand. So many of us here today, we've listened, but we've never done, and then that's why we don't understand God. Some of us have listened, and we, 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 we start to do, but then it stops there. But when we listen and put his words into practice, then we start to understand, and God's mystery of the kingdom of this world, because remember he says the kingdom of heaven is like, and he often gave analogies, then we will understand. See, the kingdom of heaven is receiving the truth and then letting it grow. And he's challenging everyone in this passage to prepare your fields so that I can plant the seed of truth in your life. And then he's saying, are you now willing to go on this growth journey with me? Because what's the point of putting the seed in the fertile soil? Is it to stay in the soil? No, it's to produce a crop a hundredfold. It's to grow and to be what God has called it to be. And it's the same for your life. When you listen and you obey, then you start to grow into who God wants you to be. Now, what's fascinating, I discovered something else. This is fascinating. This parable is one of three parables that get mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, and they are the counts of the time of Jesus, really. Now, um, John is pretty much 80 to 90% new material or new stories and other things. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, often there's a lot of parallels in the way that they've accounted the story. But what's interesting is there's only three parables that are across all three of the Matthew, Mark, Luke. 
And another thing that's interesting is this specific parable is the first of those three parables. So the parable of the sower basically begins a section of parables. And what that tells me is this is a parable basically to set up parables to come. And you can understand why, because it's the, the seed of God's word. If your heart is not open, you will never receive the message of the other parables. Are you with me? It's like, it's like this is the foundation. Because if your heart is hard, you can't receive, and God can't reveal the truth to you if your heart is hard. And that's why in Mark uh, 4.13, it says this, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So this is like the, it's like the doctrinal foundations, really. It's, it's like the, the, the basis of parables to come. You need to understand this parable. And that's why we're teaching this at the beginning of the year with lovers of truth. To close. Time went fast, eh? You see, that's, you, you listened. <laughs> I got a fright when I just saw one minute on the, on the clock there, but I am closing. This parable is actually more about preparation and then action. Preparation of the soil, the condition of our hearts, but then it has to follow with action. So my question to, to us today is, are we willing to prepare our fields, deal with the issues, deal with the rocks, uproot what we have to, smash down what we have to, so that our hearts aren't hard? But then that's not enough just to prepare your field. We don't just listen, but we, we do. It has to promote action. Because what's the point of having fertile soil if there is no seed that grows? And that's why James, who is Jesus' half-brother, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So a disciple is someone who listens and obeys. And when you do that, you'll produce an incredible crop, a bountiful harvest using imagery of the Bible. So do you take time to listen to the words of God? And I'm, I'm grateful that you're here this morning because it means that you are prioritizing that. Those online as well, well done for being here because you're saying, God, speak to me. It's not the only place that God can speak to you, by the way, just so you know. It doesn't, God just doesn't speak at church. He doesn't live here. He lives in us. So you can go home and you can reread some of the stuff if you are part of a home group as well. We send out these notes or we can get them to you anyway if you would like. But the idea is to take the time to listen. Do you place yourself in environments to hear the words of God, whether it's church or whether it's home group or whether it's Bible college or whether it's even self-study, which is so important, even if it's five minutes a day, do you set that time aside? Because you can't do if you don't first listen. The other night, Jonah had a friend coming to stay. And normally when he's got friends to stay, like I go through it like 9, 10. And he goes, oh, it's so early. I'm like, Jonah, you're 9, buddy. You're not 19, because he thinks he is. It's bedtime. Oh, it's the weekend. 
I'm like, listen, listen. You can talk a little longer, but, but then I, I want you to turn out the lights in about 20 minutes. Okay, it's bedtime. 10 o'clock comes, giggling, talking. Jonah, you're not listening to me. You need to turn off the lights. I go back into bed. It's so funny. We now go to bed before our kids. How <laughs> the circle changes. Um, at like half past 11, I still hear giggling and laughter. And I'm like, he's now woken me up. I'm like, Mal. I go through and I'm like, you're not listening to me. And it's so funny how us as parents, we say that all the time. But he's probably looking at me and saying, I did listen. But I just didn't do what I listened to. And, and I think God is saying to us today, honestly, many of us, let's just be honest. He's not hurting you, but he's, he wants to grab you like this in love. You're not listening to me. And maybe he's doing that right now by his spirit because that's how he works. He's saying, and God's far more gracious than parents. You know, sometimes parents, we little, get a little bit. Mm. We've got some uh, friends of ours, Will and Rachel. I don't know if they're here today, but he, she, she tried to get one of her kids off the stage because Will was playing keyboards. And, and he told her to come and he wouldn't come. He was standing there. So she went up in front of the whole church, just tried to grab him like I said, and he wouldn't come. So she started pulling and then she started squeezing. And then he sh- the little kid shouts out to the whole church, you're hurting me. <laughs> She's like, shh. God's far more gracious than that. But he is holding us and he's saying, please listen to me. God is speaking today. Now do. It's that simple. Join us next week for part three. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Um, It's incredible. There's so much in the secrets and the mysteries that you're wanting to reveal. And a simple story that probably many of us have heard, but there's just so much in it. God, you're teaching me and you're teaching us But Lord, let us not just hear these words, but that we would act on them, that we would listen and obey because it's the same thing. So whatever you are telling us to do, Lord, today, let us not have hard hearts. Let us not be a rebellious people, God. There are many things that you've been instructing and sharing to us as your children for years. And there are many here today that hear, but don't listen. We don't act on those. But God, I pray that from today, even right now by your spirit, there would be a a sense of immediate obedience. First time obedience, as we sometimes say to our kids. First time. Whatever you're saying, God, would we act on that? And it's not out of law or out of fear, but it really is out of promise of the, the blessing that comes when we just do what you say. As hard as it is sometimes. But Lord, you are wanting to see a hundredfold blessing in people's lives in multiple areas. But the only thing that's holding us back is that we are not listening and obeying. So God, would you by your spirit bring conviction in Jesus' name. Thank you that you don't condemn us. You don't hurt us, but you gently love and instruct us. Would you bring about that change that you so desperately want to see in our lives, Father? 
your heart must just be looking at us and saying, I want you to be this, but we're stuck there. We're stuck amongst the thorns or on the hard path. Or on the rocks. Speak to us, we pray this morning, Jesus. And my last prayer uh, today for anyone is, if your heart has been hard to, towards God most of your life, and you find yourself here today or even online, and you've never opened up your heart to God fully and said, God, I actually need you in my life. I'm done doing it on my own. My heart has been hard towards you. It's been cold towards you, but I actually want you to come and do a miracle in my life today. I'm gonna pray a prayer, it's a simple one, just saying, Jesus, come and live in my heart. You're gonna ask God to forgive you for your past because you, you need to deal with that. And then you're gonna ask God to come and live in your heart and just start an amazing journey with Him. And it's a simple prayer, a prayer of commitment, saying, God, I wanna, I wanna journey with you. So if you would like to pray that prayer today, I'd love to pray it with you. But just so I know who I'm praying with, I'm just gonna ask you to pop up your hand just super quick and if there is anyone. Anyone else want to? Thank you. It's amazing. Anyone want to pray that prayer? Thank you. It's awesome. Anyone else? Obviously, you can't see any hands online. Thank God we can't see you because some of you are in your pajamas. But if you would like to pray this prayer, let's pray it together. Anyone else? Well, it's the whole church. Let's pray it together with the people that have raised their hands. Dear Lord Jesus, from today, I commit my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I'm sorry for my past. I ask you to change me and make me into the person that you want me to be. Come and live in my heart by your spirit. And from today, Lord, I choose you and I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate the people that have prayed their prayer. Awesome. Yes.